This is the CMB Podcast with Nate Fancher, session number 12. Welcome to the CMB Podcast, a podcast designed to serve people of faith who make music. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you in your musical craft, then look no further. ChristianMusicBlog.com is all about helping you think differently about creativity through eyes of faith as you learn how to establish healthy musical habits and disciplines, fueling your creativity and making you more prolific for the glory of God. And now for your host, Nate Fancher. What is up, everyone? This is the 12th episode of the CMB Podcast, and I am Nate Fancher, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm excited about this episode. I have Daniel Renstrom on today. It's um, the feature segment for the episode today, and it's a really, really awesome conversation. So I want to I want to get to that in a minute. But first, I want to just welcome those of you who are listening for the first time. Um, I encourage you to join our email list. You can do this by going to freemusicgift.com, and uh, you can join our growing community of Christian musicians and artists and songwriters and worship leaders. Um, we're, we're having a conversation about music making through eyes of faith. Uh, God really put this in my heart some some months ago to basically just ask the question, what does it mean to think Christianly about music? There's a book that I read by Harold Best called Music Through the Eyes of Faith, and um, it just challenged me in a lot of different ways. And so I thought it'd be great to just um, start this conversation. This this whole thing is about um, gathering some folks to to talk about all the things that we face as Christian musicians and Christian uh, people who who are making stuff and being creative. So I hope you'll join us there, freemusicgift.com. You can pick up those gifts. That's my way of saying thanks for for checking out the podcast and just giving me some of your time. So I hope you'll join us there, freemusicgift.com. I want to share with you something that happened recently. Um, we were in a, a pastor's meeting here at Living Way Church where where I uh, am on staff, and um, it was really, really a time of just opening up and just praying for each other. And um, it's been a it's been a pretty intense season for me personally. Um, it's been a dry time, honestly. And um, but but God is just really stretching me in a lot of different ways, and I know that He's He's got me right where He wants me. And um, it was really cool because our senior pastor just had this um, thought to. Uh, to pray Psalm 131 over me. And um, what's cool is that the day before, I had actually uh, been talking to my dad about some of these things, and, and he said, you know, Nate, you need to just go um, read Psalm 131. And, you know, I had I had uh, tucked it away in my head, and, I, and I'd forgotten to do that that night. I was actually driving in the car when we were talking, but um, the next morning, um, our senior pastor, John, brings up Psalm 131, and it was just like, wow, okay, God must be really wanting me to get this. And so I, I figured I'd read it to you now and just kind of share with you how this really um, impacts people like you and me who are artists, who create stuff, who are, who are um, especially those of us who are worship leaders, worship pastors. I just think this is so important. So Psalm 131, David wrote it, and he, he says, "'O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high.'" I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. 
Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. I think as I have gotten older, it's it's really been uh, just clear to me. It's just been more and more revealed to me as I've as I've gotten older that um, I really lean on myself a lot. And um, you know, with being in ministry, being on staff at a local church, wearing several hats, um, a growing family, um, and then of course launching a Christian music blog. Uh, which is a great thing. I know it's 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 in my heart. I know the Lord is wanting me to do this, but it, it's a lot of work, you know. Um, anyway, with all of that, you just as you get older too, more responsibilities come your way, and and God is just kind of broadening your shoulders, and um, it's just easy to occupy yourself with things that are out of your control, and um, that's that's something that I've been really wrestling with a lot lately, and so this psalm. It's just really instructive because you see this this picture of a of a, of a little baby who is with um, its mother, and they're just satisfied in in their mother, and they're happy. They're not rooting around. They're not um, wanting something just for themselves from from their mother, but they're just happy to be in the presence of their of their mom. Um, they're they're calmed. They're quieted, and um, there's just a satisfaction and a contentment that we all needs to ask God for in our relationships with Him and um, and where He's placed us, whatever our responsibilities may be, whatever our daily schedule holds, there is a a contentment, a, a quietness that we are to walk around with as people of faith. And I love that at the end of the psalm, you know, it says, hope in the Lord. And, and that's really what, that, that's what the answer is. When you put your hope in God, when you put your hope in Christ and what He has done for us on His cross— there is a great peace that comes because the gospel um, takes care of so many things. It takes care of everything for you. And um, so you're able to rest. You're able to write songs. You're able to do your ministry from a place of contentment and satisfaction in God. And uh, it just completely changes everything. So I just want to pray for you that, that Psalm 131 would be your heart, that you would have a heart that is not lifted up, that you'd have eyes that aren't raised too high, and uh, that you just be content, happy in God, and satisfied in all that Christ is for us. So, okay. Well, let's move right along. This is a great conversation. Daniel Rinstrom is a wonderful dude. He is uh, a friend of mine from Durham, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina here, just not far away, right down the street, really, from from where I am. And um, I, I love I love his story. He goes into his story. Um, we, we talked about several things, his songwriting process. Um, we talked about his new release, Jesus Wants My Heart. It's a family worship record. And we talked all about that. And, and so I want to come back at the end of the conversation, as usual, highlight a few things. And um, all of the notes for this conversation can be found in the podcast show notes today. Uh, you can find that by going to christianmusicblog.com forward slash session 12. And that's the numeral 12. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Daniel is an awesome dude, and it's inspiring to see how God is using him. So here's my conversation with Daniel Rinstrom on the 12th session of the CMB podcast. Well, I'm here with Mr. Daniel Rinstrom. Daniel, thank you again for being with me. Yeah, thank you. Um, It's going to be great to have this conversation, bro. I've really enjoyed your music over the last few years, and um, 
And just to talk about your new album, Jesus Wants My Heart, I want to definitely talk about that. But why don't we start with just having you share with the listeners your your you know your own story of of faith in Christ and and how that connects to your music and and uh, songwriting. That'd be great. Yeah, man. Well, dude, thanks so much for letting me be a part of this. I've um I, I would re- just say back what you said to me that I've just been thankful for you for years, and so it's it's fun to get talk to you. Um, so I grew up in a um in a Christian family. Both my parents are just godly believers. And, um, it was that, you know, I was one of those kids that was just at church every single time it was open. My dad was a pastor. And, uh, and so we were just, you know, I was around, um, Bible stories and preaching and songs all, you know, all my life. And, um, so I made a profession of faith when I was six, but, you know, there was, I think just because of, you know, I was a kid and I wasn't really paying attention that much and didn't didn't really have that many longings for uh for God that there was just really like not much um discipleship in my life not much growth and um I would have said that I was a Christian and I and I might have been I don't know I I just I can't really um pinpoint when all this happened but I do know that when I was 16 years old just had this really bad rebellion hap- start happening in my life um, and anger. It was inward. It wasn't outward, but inwardly I was angry, angry at my parents, angry at my brother and sister, you know, just angry at everybody for nothing. And then um, just those, that kind of inward rebellion started manifesting itself in bad attitude and, and just all kinds of stuff. And so God graciously, our family lived in Cleveland, Ohio, and God graciously moved us to Charlotte, North Carolina, um, where I I was just angry about it. But God just did something really cool there where he brought our family, uh, brought me rather, around a lot of really godly kids. And, um, you know, there was, there, there was no like 180 that happened in my life, but the example of seeing other kids living their faith in front of me was was really impactful. God really used that. And um, it was just a big, kind of a big turning point in my life. And um, so, like I said, no 180, but just kind of went from there to a one-year Bible school where um, where it, I, I started really actually reading the Bible for the first time, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. But I, I just hadn't read the Bible that much, hadn't really thought about God that much. And um started growing like crazy. I mean, they made us like wake up at five 30 in the morning, you know, <laughs> like just read. And so we just had to wake up every morning, read the Bible, memorize scripture, uh, learn about it all day at class. It, it was just like Bible boot camp or something. And, um, God, God used that just to awaken a love for the word in my life. And uh, it was that year. Somebody challenged me to start reading the Bible through every year. Um, and I started doing that. And again, you know, it was, it, it was nothing magical. It was just God used his word to just start growing me. And, uh, and then, uh, so I started reading the Bible a, a ton and, um, and then went from there to Liberty University and, uh, and God started using godly men at that point to really help kind of shape me in discipleship. And, um, in that kind of, and at the end of my time at Liberty, I um, I ran back into a girl that I knew from high school, Danielle, and uh, we started dating, and um, and then got married after Liberty, and so I, I don't know if I'm zooming through everything here for you too much, but you know the the next step for us was that I really wanted to go to seminary. I knew that I wanted to learn more about the Bible. I wasn't really sure 
what that step was going to be, but um, I wanted to move to the area. My wife was coming here to do a master's in history, and so we moved to Raleigh, and uh, I started at Southeastern Seminary, and um, I just can't really overstate what a blessing that was. That I, I don't know that I really intended it to be such a big deal, but God used the classes and the men that I would begin to interact with as just this huge means of grace in my life. Um, just some of the classes that I can still remember, like first year, uh, ethics class with Dr. Lederbach and some of the books that we read and the ways that he made me think for the first time were, they were just kind of earth shattering, you know, it was, um, it was so huge. Um, I, I can still remember sitting in, um, in the chapel when Dr. MacArthur, um, or what's his name? John MacArthur came and spoke and how God just opened up. Um, the idea of Second Corinthians five twenty one that he who knew no sin became sin for us, or I'm sorry, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of Christ. Just under, understanding substitutionary atonement for like it seemed like the first time in my life was just it's just so huge. So um, yeah, so we we moved here and. Um, and then started getting involved with Providence. Is there any question? I'm I'm not really taking any breaths here. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, zoom, I'm just zooming forward. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it, dude. Very um, good. Yeah. So I guess the, like you know the next thing that happened there was Danielle and I started serving in the college ministry at a church in the area. Just started serving, and um and what what kind of happened there was God used both what I was learning at seminary, the godly men I got to be around a lot, um, the pastors I was working with and for, um, all of that, man, it was just so good because it was like I could I could learn about it. I could put it into practice at Providence. I, um, I, was, re- I was rubbing shoulders with guys that were, you know, 10, 20, 30 years beyond me. Um, and man, all that discipleship was just so important. Some of it was informal, some of it was formal. And uh, Danielle and I both just grew a lot that in that year. And I, I'm sorry, not that year, those years. And um, Danielle got involved with like a, a small group with girls, and they they stuck together for about eight years. Um, so yeah, man, that that's kind of our bio, Danielle and my bio. We have three little girls now, Bennett, Eden, and Mercy, and uh, they are six, four, and three. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's about it. That's about it for us. So you were um, at Providence Church. You were growing in God. You were um, at the same time uh, studying at Southeastern. And, um, you know, I'm aware of, I, I became aware of you primarily through some of the music you started to do. I think it was actually the Tim Challies' blog, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and you, you know, I was in the same area, so I just gave you a call, and we got together that one time. So my context for knowing you was was primarily musical. Yeah. But you know, why don't you share though with us how that wasn't exactly your your main emphasis? Yeah. So I, I mean, I came from Liberty with a music kind of music background. I sang while I was at Liberty, um, but on some like music teams, we had like music teams that advertised the school and stuff like that. But. Um, when I got to Providence, I played guitar and I wanted to be involved with music a little bit, but not. I, I didn't really think I, that was a big part of what I was going to be doing. And um, so a good buddy of mine that was the intern over the music said, well, why don't you come along, just start helping us out. And and I did. And immediately, man, it, I don't know if it was like this for you, but it was like this light went on in my heart, like, okay, this feels right. <laughs> you know, like I, 
I, I just loved it. I, um, I mean, every Sunday morning I was up at the crack of dawn. I probably bugged the mess out of this guy that was the intern before me, you know, cause I wanted to do every, I wanted to plan the songs with them. I wanted to do everything. And, so, um, so. I just kind of realized how much I loved thinking about the musical worship of a, of a church or a, a group of people, you know? And so I, um, I just started helping that guy moved along, went up to DC to pr- pursue a PhD and, um, and so they asked me if I would do it. And, um, and man, I just, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. And, um, and started almost immediately started writing song and uh, writing music. And I, I had never done that before, but, um, there was just a desire in me to write music that we could sing with the college ministry. Um, and, it's so funny. I still think back on how goofy this is, but we, we had an idea. We wrote like two or three songs and we thought we were great at it, you know? And so then we convinced the the college pastor there to let us buy some recording equipment and record a CD. And, uh, somehow they agreed to it. <laughs> so it's, it was just so funny to me that they would do that. But, um, so yeah, they, they let us kind of, uh, record a CD and, um, I think that's really where like the desire to write music that we could record uh, I mean I'm sorry record music that we could sing as a college ministry was where a desire started brewing in me to um to write music you know um so that that's probably you know it, the overview of where it um where writing came from um for me That's awesome man so that was that's so cool to me though because you you weren't looking for it um, you know, a lot of guys really struggle with, you know, at a young age, really, you know, in their, who knows when, like 12 years old, they start writing songs and they're <laughs> like so eager to go to Nashville and, 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 and get the, <laughs> get the dream going. And, uh, yeah, I'm talking about myself actually, and so, <laughs> you know, and they, and, and God really yanks some pride out of them and they have to go through some things. Mm. And, um, but for you, I love this story of just how you, you were really, seeking the Lord and God just sort of sovereignly led you down this path without you really looking for it. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, and I also think I probably, I just love, I have loved music and writing and the idea of, of, you know, just, I don't know, crafting words. And I've always loved it. It just wasn't something that I was good enough in high school to kind of rise to the top and do, you know? (laughs) So it, it, I guess it just took a while for me, but, um, yeah, so that's I mean that's about it for as far as songwriting goes. Now your first, um, I think it's an EP, "Adore and Tremble." Yeah, uh huh. That was was that your first one? Yeah. So what we did was we recorded one with the college ministry. They were just a bunch of worship songs that we sang with the college ministry, and um, and so that you know that was the first one, and then I I recorded a bunch of other songs with uh, Nathan Knuckles, and that was "Adore and Tremble." Um, and that was like another group of a batch of worship songs that we, we used at, at Providence that we recorded. Um, so I could still remember. It's so funny. I remember, um, I, you know, I, I love like hymns and I love redoing hymns and I can remember Nathan and Knuckles and I talking about the CD and he was like, man, I, I really like these. He was just kind of setting healthy expectations for me. He goes, you know, but 
I'm not really sure that the whole country is going to want to sing a song like Let Us Love and Sing in Wonder. You know, that's not really going to catch on that much. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. Like, um, good, wise words from a guy that knows what he's talking about. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. but, but yet that is, that is the, uh, that is, I remember that song so clearly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I don't really know. I don't know that I had like enough wisdom to kind of formulate the importance of this to me, but it was even important then that I really record and write music that I, it was just really important to me and that I also felt like pastorally was important for our people to sing. And so, um, I, I mean, I probably have a track record of not really recording, I, I don't like pop or friendly, like pop friendly music, you know, but um, but I've always been really convinced that it's important what I, what we've done. So, you know, that, I think that's enough. It's, it's really nice that I have no, there's no label telling me what to do ever. So yeah, that is, that is so <laughs> cool. And in fact, I'd love, I don't know, I'd love to draw that out a little bit more and just have you speak to that. Just, uh, as you said that just writing, thinking about your people, thinking about the folks who you actually see every week, thinking about the, the people who are actually singing yeah. those songs. Yeah. Um, does that affect your songwriting when you're, let's say, you're not covering a hymn? I mean, when you're writing a song, yeah. How, how does that play into that? Man, that's a great that's a great question. I um, you know, I, I'm talking like a songwriter right now, and I feel like I have, I'm not much of a songwriter, so I I think whatever I say, take it with a grain of salt. But it when I started writing in the kind of early days, maybe eight or nine years ago. It was really, really important to me that everything I write, like that it would connect with our people, that it was really important that that, that happened. Um, as I've gone along, I, I've kind of um, I've softened to that a little bit. Like it, it's also been important to me that I, I kind of have in view a wider audience, but that's never been like, you know, the absolute focus of um, of, what, you know, what I'm thinking about somebody out in California, you know, or whatever. But, um, so I, you know, but I, I, again, I don't know that I'm the best to talk about this because I I have, after those two worship projects, I took a pretty hard uh, left or a right or whichever way you want to talk about. (laughs) Um, and I started doing stuff that I just wanted to do. You know, one of them was a Christmas project that I really wanted to do. The other was a, uh, this family worship project. And I just, I just decided, I, I don't know that I've written a worship song in probably five years because I've poured a lot of energy into those projects. So <laughs> anyways, how, how does your, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I didn't say anything. Sorry. Oh, Skype. Gotta love it. Yep. A little like, eh, 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 you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> how, how does your songwriting look? In, in in terms of a, a week-to-week discipline, or or do you have that, or what is your particular um, approach to, to writing songs in general? I'm really project-based when it comes to writing songs. It's it's really easy for me to kind of ramp up to a project. Like uh, when I'm when I'm writing this family this family worship record, it was on my mind all the time, and it was almost difficult to do any other type of creative project because I was thinking all the time, okay, I gotta, I I know I need to write a song about this. And I'm, so I'm trying to think about it. Um, so I'm really project based when it comes to writing songs. Um, now having said that though, it, it is easy for me to think 
about an idea for a while and then try to churn something out. Like, I've, I don't know what it's like for you. Writing music has been a lot like meditating for me. It, when something's kind of simmering in my heart for a little while, for some reason, I usually synthesize that idea into like a, a phrase or a melody or something. I start singing something about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that yeah. that's usually how it's happened for me. And I'll just all of a sudden hear a phrase and, and that's kind of begins the process of writing that song. Um, so, I mean, they, I guess they could come periodically every day, but I, I'm usually trying to focus all that songwriting creative attention towards a project at a time so um yeah that's cool no i i've i've kind of learned personally the way i have approached it has really grown i think into something more along those lines because it is hard to unless you're a you know a nashville cat writer guy who shows up with his legal pad to write a song every day i think it's just hard to have that in your life if you're obviously a, a in ministry as a pastor. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. You're a family man. You have children, you have a wife, you know, you, you have all these responsibilities and, and you're supposed to sit down and, and write, crank out a song every day. I think that's just sort of silly, but, um, Oh no, dude, I totally agree. Man. And, but for me, so what's helped me just kind of grapple with the balance between discipline, um, so that you stay fresh. And then like that, you know, just sort of recognizing the season that you might be in is Evernote. I love Evernote. You know, if I have an idea, I just drop it into Evernote and I have a little system that I, I call the Evernote songwriting method. Yeah. And so it just helps me whenever I do have a project coming up, you know, I'll just sit down and have some stuff ready to work on. But it, they're not complete ideas at all. They're just little bitty sparks, you know. So, oh, dude, yeah, I think I probably do the exact same thing with my notes on um, the the voice notes on my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> I heard I, I heard Joel uh that one of the writers for uh Hillsong, I think it's Joel Houston, said he lost his iPhone and like it, it wasn't so sad to lose the phone, it was just all of the vocal ideas in that, that phone. Oh, he could man, never yeah. and I I know the feeling. Like if I ever lost my phone, it's like, oh please. I'm all those ideas are gone, you know. <laughs> Dude, Evernote, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's good, dude. I love it. I'm going to switch. Because it's all up in the cloud, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, let me ask you this question. What What would be some stuff that really inspires you as you think about music, as you think about what's what's out there, um, the landscape of, of, of worship, if you want to um, focus on that, or, or music in general? What's some music that really inspires you as you as you write, as you think about your project coming up or whatever, if you're doing something new? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, well, I love, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a pastor in a local church. So I'm, I'm probably thinking about music and corporate worship in a different way. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find music that I think fits well, both in our church and is, you know, stuff that we can, um, you know, that would be a good resource. So, um, Stuff that is really strong melodically fits well at our church. Like we're we're not like the indie rocker scene, you know. <laughs> so um, it's just you know that's that's the kind of music that I'm right now. Gra I gravitate towards. But um, having said that, music, you know, I, I definitely want stuff to be strong musically. But um, like Colossians three sixteen, you know, it says, "Let the word of Christ dwell richly inside you." teaching and moshing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, 
and with thankfulness. You know that the the idea that one of our biggest jobs in corporate worship is to um, let the word of Christ get inside people's hearts. You know that's just such a huge priority, and um, so um, that's that's it from like a choosing standpoint. For like a songwriting standpoint, though, I um, man, I. I I listen to so much stuff like right now I don't know why but I'm really like in this Lady Annabellum kick and I want to write some like worship songs like Lady Annabellum that's so <laughs> weird I know it's so weird but I just think those have like such strong melody lines you know and yeah. I want to I want to kind of tap into a little bit of that so I don't know that's that's kind of um where I am <laughs> I love it man well, um, would you be would you be okay with talking a little bit about where you currently are? You're, you're not at Providence anymore, yeah. Um, and just as a as a pastor, you, you mentioned before we started recording, you're 90 percent music, and then, um, but but you're, you're a pastor. That's how you describe yourself. Um, I love that, by the way. I think it's such a need in in yeah. worship ministries across the country just to to have worship leaders who view themselves as pastoral rather than just song leaders. Yeah. You know, so. So that's one of the biggest reasons I wanted to come to this church. Um, I, I, I love their emphasis and desire for me to um, to be a pastor, you know, just primarily a pastor. And I, even though I give oversight, primary oversight to music, um, I wasn't just, you know, coming here to shepherd chord charts. Um, I was coming here to shepherd people. And um, so, I mean, that was just a, that was a really big, um, important thing. I, I think... Guys like Mark Dever and um, you know they've they've just kind of had a really big impact on my life in thinking about um, ministry in the local church. How um, we're we're pastors and we don't want to just um, at the end of our days kind of offer up all these um, cool songs that we've worked on. Um, but you know, having said that, I know that there's a lot of faithful men that you know just really love and pour their lives into music ministries. I'm not saying that that's a waste of their life, but um, I just think that you know the primary um, the thing that the scriptures call us to do, you know, the guys that are pastors are to to shepherd the flock and uh, and to teach and admonish and you know all of those things that um, that we're told to do in scripture. Um, they need to be a part of the life of a pastor. So, um, anyways, yeah. So I, I'm now at First Baptist. I'm um, my my life right now. It's funny I say all that, but my life right now is, is heavy on music. You know, I spend a lot of time doing um, stuff with music. My hope is that sometime soon that I'll be able to spend time doing other stuff. <laughs> but right now, kind of getting everything off the ground. You know, there's a lot of time on on music. But um, man, we've just loved it here. The um, have known a lot of the elders for a long time now and have loved all of them. So it's, and it's a joy to get to join them in ministry. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's just been an awesome experience so far. Very cool. Um, can you, can you speak to, um, shepherding and caring for musicians? I'm, I'm just thinking now, even as you were talking, there are musicians listening to this who probably need to have their their souls cared for a little bit. What what are some things that you have learned as a pastor of musicians um, about musicians? Does that make sense? No, yeah, that's a great—I think that's a great question. I'm kind of weird when it comes to this, so I'll just go ahead and toss it out there. 
that I know, I think that my view on this is probably not where a lot of guys land. So maybe I'll just be the weird, weird view here. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. But here's my thought. I, I think that it is sometimes hurtful to section off musicians and always keep them together and have them just discipled by uh, me or just each other. I think it's really valuable for them to integrate into the life of the church really well. So I, I want to be involved with their life, and you know, I'm I'm emailing and I'm I'm having lunch with them. I, I might even be in a discipleship relationship with some of them. But primarily, I really want them to get involved in the life of the church, be involved in a small group, in a home. We have home fellowships on Sunday nights. Those are, you know, that's just so important, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and you know, I, I am involved in, in discipleship. Like right now, I'm, I'm discipling one of the guys Monday morning. Um, but I, I don't want that. I, I don't want to be just the primary person they always come to because if I... I you know, I might have a, I might fail them or it might not, um, I might not always have time for them or they don't get acclimated to the body. Well, do you know what I mean? So, um, I think that's really, I think it's wise. Yeah. I I totally hear you. I guess having said that, the only thing I would add to that is one of the things I don't do a great job of this right now. I, I think I have better in, in other times, but I I also try to let I don't want there to be like this Wizard of Oz thing with me. I try to let people in on why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm choosing songs I'm choosing, why things are important to me, what I hope to accomplish. You know what I mean? So that there's um so in that I'm kind of subtly d- discipling them to see why it's important to me and why it should be important to them or why you know why are we singing this song from um, from church history when we could sing a really cool new one, you know, or, you know, whatever. So it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. What about worship leaders? Um, do you oversee your work with other worship leaders? No, I don't right now. And, uh, actually we are ramping up our internship program for the fall. We're going to, um, try to, um, tie into Southeastern a little bit better and, um, and get some, some guys here that, that might want to go into that, um, field that I can, I can spend time with. I have in the past, it's, it's been a real blessing to be a part of a lot of guys now that are doing worship ministry other places. And I did that at Providence, but, um, there's, there was nothing, there's nothing formal here at First Baptist yet that, that we hope to have happening in the fall. So, so let's say once you get that going, um, a worship leader comes along and he's struggling with stuff that a lot of musical folks struggle with. So mm. you're, in a, you're in a counseling session with him or you're helping him grapple with the idolatry in his or her heart. Um, you know, like just that that thing that, that so often comes on guys, especially talented folks who, who mm. may be prolific. They're writing a lot. They have these big visions and dreams for a music ministry that's that's big and and what do you do how do you how do you bring the word to bear uh on them in those moments as a worship pastor yourself pastoring them yeah bro that's a great question uh i, I mean I to, think... uh, that's kind of loaded i guess but no, I just know no that's a big issue for for a lot of guys i mean just huge huge issue these days yeah man i mean i think that's a great question like i i think that one of the biggest things that I see 
people that have that deal with those issues, there's oftentimes kind of this reclusiveness to their personality where they have not gotten involved in the life of the body. They haven't you. They haven't seen their gifts as um, as given to them. Like I, you know, I just taught on First Corinthians fourteen the other day, and it was amazing to me. It's that chapter that talks about tongues and worship and intelligibility and worship, excellence and worship, all that kind of stuff. And one of the phrases that it was just so cool to see that every every couple of sentences Paul would say make sure that whatever you do, you're building up the body, building up the body, building, you know, it's almost just this uh, drumbeat that he's beating the whole time that your, the the gifts or speaking or everything that happens in a worship service is to be for the building up of the body. So I think I would work really hard at trying to show that it's important that you are there to be a blessing to the body and not to be um, kind of highlighted as, um, as, you know, as awesome as you think you are. Um, and, and also, man, one thing that's just been a real big blessing is, um, accountability. Like God, God really used some years with the guys that I work with at Providence and accountability relationships and having people ask really good, intentional, hard questions. I I think that, um, that pastors really can grow from that. And guys that want to go into ministry that, and just start um, to begin the process of already letting people in and to ask tough questions at a at an early time in their ministry. So that's great, great man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're right on. I mean, the whole the whole First uh, Corinthians 14 thing is just huge because um, it's so often the other way around, isn't it? Where guys are just reveling in their giftedness, you know, for their own sake. Yeah, um, man. I mean, I'm 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 talking about myself. I mean, this is, these are things that I've wrestled with, of course, and yeah. And I know that for me, like you mentioned earlier, um, how just while you were in seminary, how impactful MacArthur's message on substitutionary atonement was. Yeah, yeah. I, I know if I didn't have a a real um, grasp on the cross, I I, I would, it would it would be very bad. And I, I I mean, I still need more of that. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I, I'm Mr. Gospel centered all the time, but no. Um, just knowing how important that is to have as the central part of your your whole existence greatly affects all of those issues in terms of idolatry and just identity and all of that, you know? So Yeah. I mean, I know one of the, you probably heard this before, I think it was Gospel Primer, that that book by Milton Vincent yeah. that kind of pointed this out to me. But the, I love how it starts with, um, he, he says that Paul in the book of Romans, I think it's one... I forget where it is, but he talks about how I desire to come and preach the gospel to you, to Christians, and and just how, man, that just made such a huge impact that the nourishment for the Christian is the gospel. And, um, and man, it was just such a, I think that was probably another one of those really big moments to to realize what how important it was to put the gospel in front of people through music, you know, and worship services, that they would grow from that. Mm. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Awesome. So your uh, latest project, Jesus Wants My Heart, I would love to to talk about that as we as we bring this to an end. But um, yeah, yeah. what an awesome, awesome thing. So you don't see that happening, you know, much these days out in the in the worship world or whatever. You you see a lot of <laughs> churches doing live records, you see a lot of um hymns yeah. being remade and things like that. Um now yeah. I know you did some hymns on this, but but why don't you just kind of share a little bit about 
that project and, and the vision behind that and, and how, you know, you're in your own life with your own family, how this has impacted that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, so about three years ago, I started, uh, my wife and I were just thinking through how do we do a good faithful job of, of both shepherding our girls, um, to, but also kind of getting stuff in front of them that would give us opportunities to talk about like stuff what we're talking about, like the gospel and big meta narrative type ideas, uh, in the Bible. And, um, so I just started writing songs for them three, three years ago. The first one was a song called love, love, love. And actually it's funny enough that that song, I wrote it to kind of help them understand substitutionary atonement a little bit. (laughs) And I mean, it's not really that deep, but one of the lines said, uh, it made him a substitute for sin. I forget what the line before it says. And then the other, one of the other lines was, he loved you long before you could have loved him in return. Um, so I just, I wanted them to kind of understand salvation in a, in kind of that meta narrative idea, you know? So, um, anyways, we, I just wrote that song and we would sing it as a family. (laughs) Yeah. I just, it was fun. And then I just kind of got the idea, man, what if I wrote a bunch of these songs together? And the, the idea is, you know, how in Deuteronomy six, it just talks about, like when you um, you're supposed to teach your kids all all the, the the law it says there and but you're supposed to do it as you as you go along as you as you lay down it just basically, basically every place of life it needs to like you need to be instructing your kids and so I thought man what is a better thing than music to help get the idea of the Bible in little little hearts and then as parents you can draw that out, you know, and it's not like we need any more resources as Christian parents. I mean, there's a billion books to read, but I I know that music's just really helpful for our family. We sing songs and then I ask, I just ask really intentional questions. Like, what do you think it means? Like a song, like rest your little soul. It says, what do you think it means um, that the father's perfect plan was to give the spirit as our guide to lead us to the throne of love? You know, that's, and those are really weighty ideas that the spirit helps us in prayer, but how does the spirit help us in prayer? And um, I just find like as a parent, it's really good to have those kind of like diving board, you know, jump off points where I can then talk to my girls because they already have been singing it. It's already in their heart, you know, um, or another, there's another song, one of the bridges to uh, the the title song, Jesus Wants My Heart says, the very best day of following rules will never be enough because all we do is abide in you and all you want is our heart. Like j- just that parents would kind of help their kids understand some of the, those are really weighty ideas. But um, I think through music, you know, they memorize it, we explain it, and it can be really helpful. So That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's 11 songs. You have a few hymns, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Redid uh, a couple of songs. Um, uh, I mean, sorry, old hymns on there. I think And Can It Be, um, How Marvelous. I can't remember if there's another one. But uh, yeah, I think that that's it. There's 11 songs. Um, and I mean, they're all, you know, it's on iTunes or um, I think on our website, we probably have some other places where you can buy a physical copy. But um, yeah, I hope people enjoy it. I hope that, man, I really hope that it's useful to parents. I love that. I love that vision, man. I mean, cause see, I think again, going back to some of the stuff we've already talked about a songwriting person 
can get so in the clouds about writing songs for the big stage or or for CCLI charts or whatever, you know? Yeah. And forget to write a song for their own kids, you mm. know? It's yeah, like, man. What an amazing audience you have right in your home every single day. Absolutely. To um, shepherd them, pastor them. Yeah. Like you say, through through the simple um, muscle memory of, of having a melody stuck in your head, you know? Yeah, dude, that's a great way of saying it. Yeah, I love that. Really good, man. Well, I, I, I'm encouraged by, by you and what you're doing and just very excited to see all that happens. Now, Jesus Wants My Heart has been out since uh, last month. Just came yeah. out, right? Yeah, I think it's been out for about two weeks, maybe three weeks. Um, Mar- well, April. Yeah, sometime in April, I think. So Cool. And um, now where can people go to find out more about you? I know you have a blog. Um, you're on iTunes, and we'll have all these links in the, um, the show notes for the podcast thing. But um, yeah. where would you direct people? Well, DanielRenstrom.com. Um, I really don't do a lot there. Um, I'm, you know, Twitter is probably just as good of a place because I'm, I'm there probably once or twice a week, maybe three times a week. So, um, and but also, you're, yeah, go you're ahead. at Daniel Renstrom. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep, I'm at Daniel Renstrom there. Um, and I t- also, I mean, I don't think it's very hard to get in touch with me. So, if there's any way I can be a blessing or help or more explanation or resources or anything. I'd, I'd love for anybody to ask. So. Well, thanks again, Daniel, for being with us. Um, I appreciate all you're doing, man. Yeah, thank you so much, Nate. I really appreciate you letting me come on. Well, there's certainly a lot there to chew on. I encourage you to uh, just go to our Go to the session notes for today by going to christianmusicblog.com forward slash session 12. And um, you can find several links there and uh, some other just notes that I've taken uh, to comment on our conversation. Um, I want to bring out a couple of things, just to highlight a couple of things I think that are worth uh, talking about here. Number one, ministry in the local church. I, I think this is so vital. And uh, in fact, I'm going to include a link in the show notes to a book written by Mark Dever. He mentioned his name. The book is called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And um, in that book, Mark uh, just lays out essentials for a church to have. And um, you might not agree with every one of them, but the point is this. You, You need to be in a local church. You need to be plugged into a group of people. Now, that can look a lot of different ways, of course, but that there has to be a community of flesh and blood in your life, real folks. And um, it's so important as an artist, but it's it's more important as, as a believer. And so, um, you know, and, and Daniel even mentioned the whole 1 Corinthians thing, that, that your gifts are not for you, but they're for the building up of the body. And um, I think too often we think of our gifts as really gifts to us, right? But really they're gifts to you for others. And uh, what a cool thing, knowing that God has called us to each other as well as to himself. He's reconciled us to himself through Christ, but he's also reconciled us to each other. And so I, I encourage you to check out that book. If, if you're not in a church, that, that book will help you know what to look for in a church. And that's called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by Mark Dever. Parents, write a song for your family. Write a song for your kids. What a cool example he's given us uh, of, of taking these big ideas of our, of our salvation and, and putting them into three-minute songs that that get stuck in kids' heads. What an awesome thing. You know, I have a little kid. I have have a little baby, actually. He's about to turn a year old here in a couple of weeks. Pretty remarkable how fast time flies. But 
Um, every time I get out the guitar, he he goes nuts. He'll like kind of crawl over to it, kind of walk over to it, and want to just hit it and play on it and stuff. And, and you know, he's not really musical yet. Um, and and I don't know that he really understands what we're doing when we sing and stuff. But but I know that it matters, and especially as he gets older, it will just be a normal thing. So now we don't do this perfectly. It's not like we're doing. Uh, these awesome family worship times every single night for two hours, you know. Uh, obviously, if you're a parent, you, you know that that's pretty unlikely. <laughs> but but just the idea of writing a song for your family, what what a cool thing. Like, stop thinking about the song going viral on YouTube and, and just go write a song for your kids and, and and see what happens then, you know. I mean, that that's your audience right there every single day. And they'll love you, too. Your kids love you. They're not gonna, they're not gonna thrash your song and tell you how to change your verses and tweak your melodies. You know, they're just gonna love you because you thought of them and and wrote a song for them. So, anyway, I hope this encouraged you. Uh, it sure did me, and um, I'm challenged in a lot of ways. Thank you, Daniel, for coming on the podcast, bro. Um, if you're listening to this, um, really appreciate and love your ministry and your music, and um, and may God continue to bless you over there at First Baptist in Durham. So, all right. That is it for this edition of the CMB Podcast. want to just say thanks again for listening to this, and especially if you're new with us, just uh, visit freemusicgift.com and sign up for our email list. We would love to meet you. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at CMB Podcast. And uh, we're on Facebook as well. We have a private Facebook group, but it's open to anybody. You have to request to join it, though. And uh, so if you want to do that, just visit... The show notes for today, christianmusicblog.com forward slash session 12. And you can uh, see a link at the bottom of the page there and join our Facebook group. Well, have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the CMB Podcast. Thank you for listening to the CMB Podcast. For more valuable content, including helpful articles and video, visit christianmusicblog.com.